0: Start my loop machine. This is Penn
1: Sunday <laughs> School. Boy. Our you're least. saying it happens.
0: Here we go. go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Donnelly, and I haven't talked to Penn in like over a month, I think. It's been a pig's age, Penn. Pig's age? I know you've been to Tulsa. I know you've been to San Francisco, you went to Spain, you went to England. I'm curious I'm curious about all of it,. Penn. I mean, you got, you got shows to all up, of it. it. you got shows to announce. Here he is preaching the love pendulum.
1: Yeah, preaching the love. it's good to have you back. you know I had a talk about Teller, yes. Uh, Teller's quad bypass, yes, with Harrison. Yeah, your good I mean, friend and Harrison where you guys
0: have wept together. you you've,
1: Harrison who came in loaded. <laughs> With Jew jokes, (laughs) good timing there. Harrison did a fine, fine job, but you know, Harrison arrived late. Okay, ah, so I couldn't tell him. I didn't. Oh, you had to wait till the mics were uh, so the mics were on when he was informed. No, I I, I didn't want to do that. So I had to do an entire show as though I didn't know. (laughs) Then tell him during the break, and then do another show after that. We could see Harrison's mood had changed considerably. <laughs> um, it was very funny. And then coming back from uh, from uh, England, Spain, San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, we had Piff, who was great, yeah. and came in full load of material that had nothing to do with that. Yeah. So um, I'm back with someone that I talked to about these things, and now it's all old news. <laughs> I well, did I did visit Teller yesterday. Okay. It is remarkable. The doctors told him, you know, you'll be you'll be with, you know, unable to walk for, you know, five weeks. And he's scurrying around the apartment, not even using the walker. Wow. You know, he's not, he's walking a little bit like Tim Conway, <laughs> but not a lot. He, uh, and I brought him, uh, oh my, I'm backed into a corner here. Ready, Rich, get yourself ready. It's one of the words Penn can't pronounce. <laughs> turmeric? Turmeric. 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 That's all
0: to it? I think, I think so. Turmeric. I like it because I believe it's pronounced correctly if you try to pronounce it as one syllable. Turmeric. Yeah. I turmeric. feel like you're safe there.
1: Uh, I brought him a turmeric latte. Uh, whoa. Teller's fond of turmeric lattes. But, you know, Teller had his whole chest opened up and his heart fucked with. And then, you know, his breastbone broke and it ripped open, right? He had all that shit. So he's getting back to that. And he just sat there going, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. (laughs) This is so good. This is so good. So after this show, I'm going to visit him, Mm -hmm. bring him another turmeric, uh latte with yeah. almond milk but i'm gonna make one small change this time yeah no no not poison hey this smells a little bit like bitter almond <laughs> no <laughs> it's almond milk teller don't worry about it um it sounded like you said arsenic latte
0: and not turmeric latte
1: <laughs> no, I don't there's know. another r in there <laughs> turmeric <laughs> turmeric turmeric oh my god i knew we had i
0: something. and i've been wrong for a long that long time funny. yeah I've always turmeric. been saying turmeric.
1: Teller always says it carefully and yeah. it sounds right when he says it. And I walk away from him and then forget how he said it. Yeah. Turmeric.
0: I also, as a, uh, uh, say the word for the kitchen arts culinary. Okay. I pronounced it culinary forever. Uh huh. And only recently one person corrected me and I was like, I've been saying that wrong for a very long time.
1: Yeah. You've been known as that asshole who can't say culinary. <laughs> I'll say, over you know, I know Matt Donnelly and they'll say, oh, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with him. And I said, is it the me too thing that happened? They go, no. Most people. I go, is it him using the N word? They go, no.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> is it the assault on the young
0: boy? No. <laughs> is it me after Adidas dropped Kanye sweeping in to offer him the sneaker
1: contract? No. No. Nope. No. It's the way he says culinary. <laughs> Rubs me the wrong way. I am so, I'm going to get back to what, what I'm going to do different this time Yes, is I'm going to buy two. One for me. You're curious about it. Well, I've had one before, yeah. but I'm thinking now I'm going to try to enjoy it as though I had a quad bypass. <laughs> um, uh, but he enjoyed that. And yesterday I went over and I thought we're going to be talking about, um, about his health. Yeah. Right? He sit, we're sitting in his Houdini alcove. He yeah. has a little alcove in his house where it's um all this original Houdini stuff. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's like Copperfields Museum except condensed down to, we'll put the Houdini stuff in the background, have tea in front of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, there's an actual Houdini prop. Yeah. Full-size, I'm not, f- used by Houdini. Yeah. Like this crucifixion thing Houdini did. Uh, I don't mean he's one of the Jews that killed Christ. Right. I mean he actually did a trick on stage. And um, picture of Houdini doing needles, which you know Teller does. Mm-hmm. Picture of Houdini, letters from Houdini to his mother. All this stuff all over. And we're sitting there, and I figure it's going to be, oh, my old friend and co-worker, how are you doing? And Teller said, what's a really good card trick? I said, well, I, I was on the airplane, and I got this idea for a card trick based on trying to pick the card at random by an audience member and trying to attack them for being random and then with a really good punch. I think I have a method for it until I went, okay. So I ran all the beats until they're just focused and worked on that trick almost the whole time. Wow. I inquired about his healthy when I'm eating an avocado. <laughs> Moving on. So I got to tell you, if I had gone over to Teller's house yesterday yeah. and did not know he had a quadruple bypass, if that information had been kept from me, which would have been weird. It would have been, it would
0: have been a tough thing like, as if you're so fragile, yeah, you couldn't know that he yeah. got a quadruple bypass. But
1: if I hadn't had known that, I don't think I would have noticed that Teller was any different than before. Right. Is that possible? I must be lying about that. Certainly, got him, he got up and walked slower.
0: Yeah, yeah, no yeah. No doubt
1: about that. But he's recovering. But he, he's completely alert. Yeah, yeah. And uh, tell said, recovery starts now. The hospital doesn't matter. Recovery starts now. And boy, he's he, he's asking the physical therapist a question I've never asked How often can I do these exercises? <laughs> Have you ever said a sentence like that in your life? <laughs> No, uh, the question: How seldom can I do these exercises? Yeah. How often have you asked that? Uh, frequent. Yeah, frequent. Much more common question. What I'm saying is, Teller is doing great. Yeah, really, really great, and it makes me so happy because I got to tell you, uh, been a lot of talk about Teller. What about me? Yeah, that's what I was more uh, worried about. I then. had some allergies. Yes. No sympathy for them at all. No, no. No one brought you a latte. I walk in going. <clears throat> and they yeah. go, house Teller? And I go, uh... <clears> Hello? <throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Is he doing okay? <clears throat> I heard he's out of the hospital. <clears> throat> Throat's a little sore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's Teller doing? Oh, you fucker. I got yeah. a bad throat. Um, but I had allergies, and of course, once you go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, allergies clear up. In my case, that's really true. Right. Because I'm allergic to Vegas. Yes. Cactus cum. That's what I'm allergic to. Yeah. Tulsa, dusty, horrible tus- Tulsa, Oklahoma, Woody Guthrie. I think
0: we've said this before, but Vegas is unique in that it has like every known allergen. Yeah. Like, and it's because of trying to fight the desert, they've tried out every tree here in different yeah. phases. And so we actually do have a crazy collection of, of tree pollen that most places don't have. I'm allergic altogether. to where
1: I live. Yeah. Yeah. So Teller is doing fabulously. Yeah. Really, really well. And it's um, it's such a thrill to see that. Not I such think, a thrill. Thrill is wrong.
0: It is such a comfort to see that. It's encouraging to see him recovering.
1: I want to tell you, if they break open my breastbone yeah. and go in there and diddle around a little bit, put it back in, I, I'm not going to be the kind of fighter Teller is. Yeah. I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to say... How long can I stay on the Oxy? <laughs> That'll be my question.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell
1: her, how quickly can I get off the painkillers? That was a question he asked. How quickly can I get off the painkillers? And they said, well, you know, we like to keep these, and I want to be off them quicker. Yeah. You know, John Lennon said, no one can harm you yeah. if you feel your own pain. Okay, but you can harm me then. Yeah. <laughs> Um,
0: I mean, there was, I was talking to a friend. Uh, I just
1: want you to know, if I'd had the surgery the same time as Teller, Yeah, like when the Smothers Brothers both went in for their facelifts at the same time, Yeah, I just want to tell you, I would be dicky. just so you know. <laughs> um, if we had had uh, open-heart surgery the same day, I would still be in the rehab facility on Oxy with people saying, maybe you should stand up, Penn. I would not be doing fucking laps around my house like Teller is. No. Having a turmeric tea. Yeah. No. Turmeric latte. Turmeric latte. Almond milk. Now, is almond milk being a popular thing at places been this huge boon to poisoners?
0: Oh, because now we're so used to almond. Because it smells
1: like burnt almond. Yes, it is almond, you dick. That would, right. Is that what you say? Yeah. Is it, what is it, burnt almond is arsenic or strychnine? Ready, Rich? I don't know. How can you not know that? A well, poisoner like you. Arsenic's in everything. So it's probably strychnine. Okay. Okay. Good. So, uh, I want to do a correction. I told the whole story about going to Harry's Barbershop. Yes. There is no Harry's Barbershop. You wouldn't be Harry in a barbershop. <laughs> Henry's Barbershop. And the reason I said Harry's Barbershop instead of Henry's is this nightmare they don't tell you about when they give you a brain, (laughs) which is false (laughs) mnemonics. Ah. A false mnemonic. Oh, it's a barbershop. Must be Harry because there's hair in the barbershop. Yeah. False mnemonics. They don't tell you that. That's not in the manual. No. No. They don't say, mnemonics also work when they're wrong. They don't tell you that. No. No. They don't tell you, oh, you can have this that'll set off a thought in your mind that's completely wrong.
0: Yeah, you can lock it in for life. Yeah. And be wrong the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah, yeah. Culinary. Culinary. Let's not not culinary with a Q.
1: Yeah, let's study the culinary arts at Harry's barbershop. Henry's. Henry's, exactly. Culinary. Culinary arts at Henry's (laughs) barbershop. Okay, we're all set. Uh,
0: Scott am a- Scoop says it's cyanide and I did not ask how Merrick Scoop knows that.
1: <laughs> cyanide smells like burnt almonds.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. man, I, you know, I have a horrible sense of smell. I've been poisoning people with arsenic <laughs> and <laughs> making almond jokes and I just feel really dumb
1: now, um, watching
0: the life leave their uh,
1: eyes. Do you think, it depends entirely on who, right? <laughs> this question depends entirely on who. Yeah. But don't you think that being a food tester for like a gig is not a bad gig a food tester yeah
0: like uh don't eat that that might be poisoned i eat it first
1: they, they they used to do that i mean that's at least in 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 fiction they do that yeah they have a guy whose job is to taste all the king's food before he tastes it
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: maybe maybe well, i was i've always thought not a bad job you get good food but i'm now thinking really bad job because you don't get much of it yeah,
0: yeah, you just get a taste. Oh man,
1: look at that risotto, King Matt. That looks terrific. I'll get, I'll take a forkful. I'm still standing. I'd like a little bra. It's got fuck you. Yeah, I wanted, you know.
0: You have to really like tapas. You must be like a real small portion.
1: get a guy really small portion guy. <laughs> yeah. I get a forkful. I'm happy.
0: <laughs> um, somebody talk, talking to numerous friends. The amount of people that ask me how Teller's doing on social media, I find hysterical. Because, like, w- why would I want to be a public mouthpiece on a public platform for the Penn and Teller organization when no one's asked me to be that? They don't know that's the first thing that runs through my brain. But I want to be like, what? <laughs> when they ask. Uh, Teller is,
1: is active.
0: Yeah. That's on what Twitter, I tell people. He,
1: and he's telling people how he's doing. And yeah. it's really good. And I think... He's underestimating how good he's doing. He's really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to go on um, the Today Show and do a magic trick without Teller. Yeah. And um, it's, it, it's a pain in the ass because Teller, <laughs> Teller does so much fucking work. First of all, he makes the tricks work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. But that's not the only part. <laughs> you would think, oh, that's the whole thing. No. No. He makes the trick work. He is magic. Yes. I am not magic. Yeah. I am chitter-chatter. <laughs> he is magic. But, so, I was on the Today Show having to do magic. Yeah. That's not the real problem I would have, okay? Yeah. Because Teller also does all the niggling beforehand. He talks to the director and the segment producer. Camera angle. And the host. The no, it's stuff. even worse than that. Yeah. So, I'm sitting there going, um... They said, what are you doing for a trick? Cause I'm doing a trick called smart ass. And, um, I guess I'll use Jenna Bush cause she's wearing jeans and all I got to do is put the, uh, have her put the cards in her back pockets. And then I think, well, Teller's not here. So what have I heard Teller say? What would Teller say if he were sitting here? Yes. I play, I am Teller now. And I go, um, are there back pockets in those jeans? I guess all jeans have back pockets, right? Yeah. Come back, that's a good question. Her jeans have no pockets. Right. What the fuck? Now you think logically, you think form follows function. Yeah. She probably is not going to have a lot of stuff with her on the set of the show. Yeah. Right? But I'm thinking, isn't part of the definition of jean having pockets? Even when you saw those short little jean skirts. Yeah. Let's take Fo- a moment. Focus, Th- what? focus, focus. Take a moment. Think about those. We, could, we, we have time. <laughs> think about those short little jean skirts yeah. at a, uh, at a county fair and you are, on a hot September is, night. This is a story about the day show. Just, just so oh, you know. Okay. Oh, uh, even those have back pockets. Yeah. I remember looking in that area. <laughs> As a
0: pocket enthusiast. And a
1: pocket enthusiast going, <laughs> huh, she has back pockets. Yeah. In the, I don't know, they could be faux. No. Because I often see uh, the boyfriend, this is the best way to walk, Uh, when you see- Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hand in the back pocket of the other person's jeans. That's that's good. That is, I believe, a low-class county fair kind of thing to do. Yeah. It's one of the greatest. Who didn't get a Nobel Prize for that? I try to do that with my
0: wife and her exercise pants. I get a very different reaction <laughs> from both my wife and the people watching.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. the exercise pants. Different <laughs> reaction from them as well. Um, so Jenna Bush yeah. is, I guess because she's more highly evolved, more classy, yes. is wearing jeans without back pockets. Mm-hmm. So I say, can I put tape on her ass? Okay? Yeah. Totally unrelated. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> hi. I walk in and I say to her, We got to talk about your ass during a commercial, right? We got to talk about your ass. And she says, What? And I said, I, gotta, I want you to put cards in your back pocket. You're wearing jeans without, Oh, hi, Jenna. How are you today? Uh, this pen. She goes, Oh, yeah. I, good to see you, pen. What? <laughs> Because I ran in, we got to talk about your ass. Yeah, yeah. That was my opening thing. Because I only had like, because on those shows, the, the, the commercial breaks are short. Yeah. They're only like 40, 50 minutes. <laughs> Jesus, is a lot of fucking commercials. Yes. They can tell you, we're going to start the commercial break. You can be ready to go. And then by the time they're done talking about all the age-related things that may cause you to have a stroke <laughs> if you buy them. After they have done talking about that, you've lost all interest in the show. Yeah. You don't even remember what show you're watching.
0: No, it is strange.
1: There's no reason to tease something for the next segment because there'll be another generation born <laughs> before the next generation, before the the commercial. See, I never watch shows with commercials. Never. I mean, if I'm exercising, uh, maybe I'll put on CNN for a little while. Right. And I'm always saying, I must be in a special block that has long commercials. But commercials are really long. Yes. It's like six minutes a show, four minutes of commercials. is but what they do now?
0: I think, I mean, it gets worse and worse all the time. Yeah. But I think you can get up to like 11 minutes per 30 on a uh, on a show.
1: That's amazing. So I come in and I say, I want to talk about your ass. Can you put tape on your ass? So you can stick cards against it as though you had back pockets, which you don't have because your uncle was president or something. Who's president? His father? Father. Father. Father was president. You don't have back pockets. That's one of the things they take away, you know? Yeah. Uh, please leave all the nuclear codes and the documents and your daughter's back pockets, please. <laughs> you know what you see with Ivanka Trump? Yeah. Back pockets. Yes. See, they don't follow anything. Scoff loss. <laughs> scoff loss. <laughs> scoff loss is a really fun word to say.
0: Yes. Culinary scoff loss. Yeah, I guess I pronounced scoff scofla the way Scoflos, I talk.
1: Scoff yes. Squaff loss. Squaff loss. Which is a whole different thing. <laughs> so she's going to stick it to the tape on her ass. And, but that added another element. I want to talk about your ass. I go back to the green room, which is really the green closet. Yeah. And uh, I go back there where they did not have any vegan donuts. I go back there. And then the producer comes in and goes, I think it's got to be smarty pants, not smart ass. We can't say ass. And I realized then if I hadn't gone out and said to Jenna, I want to talk about your ass, no one would have mentioned that. Right. Because the trick was sent to them as pens doing smart ass with the video of it. Yeah. So I fucked it up. Teller wouldn't have fucked that up. No. Teller would have had a better solution than sticking tape on the president's daughter's ass. <laughs> it had all sorts. Of, he would have done everything better.
0: Well, it's it's traditional morning television, network television. A lot of that kind of standards and practices, things that we don't actually think about too much anymore, but they still have to, right? It's morning. We don't say ass in the, the word ass in the morning.
1: Ass in the morning is one of my favorite uh, morning <laughs> DJs. Hi, this is Ass in the morning and my sidekick fart. <laughs> hey, <hi. laughs> you're on the phone with Ass. Go ahead and blast ahead. us. What's your problem? How was that second date? <laughs> well, Ass, let me tell you. I went out with her. We went bowling. Ah, first mistake. What do you mean, Ass? Okay. Um, <laughs> now we have Lucy the sky with traffic, which to me is every the summation I would say the summation of the 70s and 80s yeah. is one phrase, Lucy in the sky with traffic. Yeah. Nothing else. So, Henry's Barbershop for Culinary Excellence, <laughs> and put jeans in your back pocket. Yeah. And those short jean skirts. Are those, are those pockets functional? Um, uh, it would be really on the skirts. Are they skirt. functional? Someone, that, someone listening that wears jean skirts are the, because you wouldn't want to have like a big wad of napkins in there, right? No, no. You're no. not going to want anything to unsmooth the back of your jean skirt. If I know anything by being around my wife who hangs around with
0: a lot of uh, beautiful circus freaks, mm-hmm. anyone who wears a good looking outfit that has functional pockets is the queen. They are the, they win. Really? Yeah. Cause people say, nice outfit. Yeah. And they go, and they'll even they'll say, he even has pockets. They'll go,
1: no. And they say go, stuff like that? Yes.
0: You've dis- heard him say, yes. he even has pockets? Discussing functional pockets on a good looking outfit is the highest form. Uh, you win the party.
1: Boy, that's really good looking. Does it have pockets? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Look right here. Yeah. Look, I have, pretty, I have something in here right now. That's what I would ask the, the girl from Ipanema. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, in the original uh, Portuguese, yeah, uh, they're actually singing about the girl from Beacon, 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 <laughs> his pockets. I don't know why. I gasped There, there was a ga- there was a gasp for air. She holds her keys and wallet, no problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I I guess I mean, here
0: is the thing: because you are doing with television, and I imagine on television, you go on set all the time without your stuff. Your stuff's in your green room, mm-hmm. your dressing room. It's quickly tossed to your stage manager, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. so you often go on stage and you're going to sit on your ass for the majority of your job. Mm-hmm. So I imagine having jeans with no pockets might be a television move and maybe not necessarily a fashion move, although I can imagine it also being
1: I fashionable. Can I can see that. You know, um, they asked George Burns. Yeah. Any advice for young people going to show business? Do you know this? No. They said, any advice on, uh, on, uh, going to show business for young people? And George Burns said, keep your wallet with you on stage.
0: Well, Aretha Franklin, right? Uh, she yeah. played the Kennedy Center. She yeah. brought her purse out with her and put her purse on the piano. Yeah,
1: because they had all her pay there in cash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep your wallet with you on stage. Yeah. And it was, uh, was it Betty Davis that said, do you have any advice for people about Hollywood? She said, take, uh, take LeBray on Friday afternoons. <laughs> What's your advice for someone coming to Hollywood? Those are You're not going to beat those two answers. No, no, no. So um, Teller is doing fabulously. Yeah. But in the interim, I have teamed up with Michael Carbonaro.
0: Yes. I just saw all the social media blasts about this. Michael Carbonaro and I are doing a show. Um, he already knows what the dressing room is. He knows his way to the theater.
1: Yeah. And we, here's what we decided to do. Uh, uh, you and Piff and Mac all said they were down for pen and friends again. Right. But I feel like it's cannibalizing Piff and Mac. Do you want to see Piff at seven or Piff and Penn at nine?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you
1: want to see Mac at three or do you want to see Mac and Penn there? Yeah. And you also had touring and stuff. Yeah. So, so Carbonaro was, I guess, uh, unencumbered by a show in Vegas <laughs> or, or touring during that time. Yeah, yeah. For so Thanksgiving and at Christmas. Yeah. Uh, it'll be Penn Gillette and Michael Carbonaro. Yeah. That's the way it's built. Penn Jillette and Michael Carbonaro. Right. And uh, we'll be playing the Penn and Teller Theater. And we went through the show, and to show you how useless I am, I went to Teller and said, by the way, I got the order that uh, Carbonaro and I are going to do. Uh, well, what do you think? And Teller said, mm, sounds okay. Move this and this and change this around. You want to bring in the ending? I said, good. <laughs> so Teller's still doing yes. the, the, the Penn and Carbonaro show. That's that's
0: exactly what I think would have would have happened.
1: Yeah, by the way, <laughs> yeah. and we got we got some uh, we got some we got some good stuff. Yeah, um, you know he does that shaving cream bit. Yes, that he's been doing since before he needed shaving cream <laughs> anywhere on his body. Right, been doing that for a while. Yeah, uh, but it's a great great bit.
0: It's really just totally artsy but compelling. Yeah, you know,
1: and I've got to follow it. Because uh, we, don't, we don't want to end the whole show on it. We want to end the Christmas thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do uh, Broken Bottle Juggling afterwards. Oh, wow. Because um, nothing else is long enough for him to take a shower. And as you know, Broken Bottle Juggling is long enough for him to go back to Atlanta and take a shower. <laughs> but where does he live? Where does he live? I don't know. I'm I'm not he lives sure. somewhere on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Know, that was not, the idea of the joke was proper, but the, uh, the, the, the exact uh, situation yeah. wasn't. He, like, he, he lives someplace stupid. Like Nashville or Atlanta or something like that. Okay. I don't know. So we're doing, I think, 10 shows all together. about five around uh, Thanksgiving and about five around Christmas. Although I think it's four Thanksgiving, six Christmas. I think so too. I think it's like the Supreme Court essentially. It's, <laughs> it's packed toward Christmas, which is what the Supreme Court is, right? Yes. Supreme Court is packed toward Christmas, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll be going, we'll be doing that. And Are you the, doing any hunks together? Yes, lots. Okay, good. We're doing. Uh, we're doing. Um, you know, we're uh, we're doing some Pen and Teller stuff with Carbonaro um, filling in, which means I'll be you know heckled while doing it instead of having Teller stand there politely. <laughs> um, and I'm doing a few of the bits with him, and I'm also playing bass. While he does is shaving cream thing.
0: Oh, that's great!
1: I can't wait to see the show. So I think I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. I
0: enjoyed his show when he ran where you guys were in. Where were you?
1: Australia. Yeah. You can't. It's really hard to find more um, charisma and charm. Yes. On stage than Carbonaro. Yeah. He's but well, I'm going to try. God damn it. <laughs> um, he's uh, he's uh, he's good. He's very good. Yeah um, yeah yeah. I think it is a great job. It just crossed my mind that um, I was supposed to talk about trade coffee. You still doing trade coffee? Yes. Isn't it good?
0: I am. I'm drinking trade coffee right now in this cup. Are you really? Yes. And where's that trade coffee from? This is a, it was a brand called uh, Funky Chicken.
1: No, really? Yeah. Really? Yes. I didn't get Funky Chicken. Well, yeah, have I, get the, I do decaf.
0: You do decaf. Yeah, yeah. Funky Chicken is not decaf. This is it. Like There are brands I get where I'm like, oh, I would not have grabbed this in the store because it's, you know- trying too hard or doing whatever and then I have the most outrageously
1: delicious coffee I've ever had I'm, I'm so afraid for you to answer this question you would you would not have reached for funky chicken in the store
0: uh I would have read its flavor profile <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: If you love drinking coffee every morning, and who doesn't? Matt Donnelly does. Yeah. I do. Check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Going to a coffee shop is a great experience, but not something most of us can do every day. If you're looking for that delicious local coffee shop taste on a daily basis, it's so much easier with Trade Coffee coffee how do you do trade coffee it's a subscription isn't it matt it certainly
0: is it's super easy you you go there and they just start sending you awesome coffee every
1: month anyway anyway it's really 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 good um
0: i i go to the mailbox every time i open it up and all of a sudden there's a new coffee there it's i get surprised every time And then I feel like I've done the right thing with my life. You know what I mean? Really? Isn't
1: that true? Yes. Because I would have told you, really, before trade coffee, I don't care at all about coffee. I just want something hot that I just drink, right? Yeah. I don't care. And I do care about coffee. And when I found out I cared about coffee, I said, oh, it's the little details. Yeah. If you're talking to someone who lives their life right, they would tell you, you know, I get a high-quality local roaster coffee. And you'd go, (laughs) oh. Yeah, you do that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you, What do you drink? Are you Are you enjoying Funky Chicken? Or are you enjoying the? I've got a the, Hell Yeah blend that I'm really into right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would. They, you would say no. I like put instant coffee, and they go, "Life's short, you know." Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee. It'll take the guesswork out of finding your perfect. Cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash pen. That's drinktrade.com slash pen for $30 off your subscription to the best coffee in the country. Drinktrade.com. Fuck chicken. Fuck chicken. Two times. Fuck chicken. Huh. Get back and let me peck myself. the <laughs> chicken.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive
1: safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh,
0: O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: So, um, Teller surviving and then flourishing yeah. after his uh, quad bypass is exciting in my life. Mm-hmm. Going to Spain, spending days with Hondro in Immersion Total. Mm-hmm. I just said that in a French way. I don't know why. Yeah. Immersion Total. That was pretty exciting. Yeah. Having book signings, finding out that the first printing is nearly sold out. That was all good news, but all of it completely crushed by the fact that I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. People have asked me, they've actually asked me in the book tour, are you thinking of retiring? And that idea was squelched by the fact that I spent so much at the Bob Dylan Center that I cannot afford to retire. (laughs) Um, I walked into the Bob Dylan Center, the gift shop, and Glenn said at the gift shop, we looked around and he said, are you just going to say yes? (laughs) So I have a wonderful t-shirt from Tarantula. Mm Mm-hmm. I have a t-shirt of him with Allen Ginsberg. And I have this t-shirt here. This is from Subterranean Homesick Blues, where they pretty much invented the uh, rock video, a lot of the rock video tropes, with uh, Get Born. I have an attractive handbag here. Beautiful handbag. With a picture of Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan Center, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, There's a guy there, guy named Stephen, Stephen Jenkins, which is a phony name if I ever heard one. (laughs) <laughs> I'm guessing the real name is something more like Mohammed. Okay. Stephen Jenkins, who is this, you know, I said to him, how did you get this gig? Turns out he ran everything in San Francisco, like every film festival. And he's a hardcore Dylan fan. And they called him up and said, do you want to, uh, and he, you want to, you know, be the big cheese at the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I will always hate him. Because he didn't say, oh, no, 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 that should be Penn. Right. He didn't say that. So I went with Stephen Banks, you know, Billy the Mime. Yeah. Uh, who's also a Dylan freak. Yeah. And we arrived there. He said to us on the phone, uh, Stephen Jenkins said to us, probably two and a half hours to go through it. What are you, high? I was going to say, <laughs>
0: no way. What are you,
1: high? Stephen and I got there at noon. Yeah. And we left after they closed. We, uh, uh, Glenn said to Stephen Jenkins or Steve said to him, uh, I have to keep saying his whole name cause Stephen Banks. Yeah. Uh, Billy the Mime. I'll say Billy the Mime. Yeah. Glenn said, has anyone stayed here longer? And, uh, he said, not yet. <laughs> uh, it is beautiful. And here's the thing that's amazing. Turns out that what we mean by slick, we say something's too slick. Yeah. We mean it's polished, but not beautiful.
0: Uh. Because
1: this is very slick, but it is gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Now, of course, Bob Dylan has not been there. Right. Bob Dylan's never talked to anybody there. And I said to Stephen Jenkins, uh, so Bob hasn't been. He goes, no, no, no. But he sent us the gate, which we think shows he approves. Uh, There's a welded gate by Bob Dylan, custom made for the center. Ah. You go in and there's a welcome film, okay? Now the film is like 28 minutes and it's meant, it's a beautiful room, gorgeous, with probably 30 video screens and projections all over. Uh, it's It's not a video movie because while the video's playing, images from other angles and stuff pop up all around you. It's beautifully lit and so comfortable. And Jenkins said, you go in that room and you watch however much of the film you want to watch. And Billy the Mime and I went, what? <laughs> we'll be watching all of it. Yeah. So other people are walking around, like taking in some of the movie and looking at the stuff, other stuff in the room. Steven and I sat. I have a great picture. Stephen and I sitting. There's one little bench there for old people who want to be there for too long, right? They have those at museums too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Steven and I sitting at the bench. For the whole movie and then starting it again, watching it part of it again. Glenn, meanwhile, is walking around like everybody else. They also have, and I guess every museum has something like this now, but this works beautifully. This one. The Dylan Center is the best museum type thing I've ever been to. It's beautiful, even smells better than other museums. It's really good. You put on headphones and you have this little, like, um, like an old iPod. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not old. And you go in and it says, touch, touch it. And there's all these buttons all over and you touch the button and there is audio that tells you about what you're looking at, Yeah. but never in a narration way. Yeah. And like we'll say early Bob Dylan, you know, and there's a great thing that says like, you know, tractor pull or something, you know, spring dance. Yeah. During intermission, Bobby Zimmerman will be playing piano. Two other people. He was 14 or something. Oh my God. They have that poster, right? Yeah. And you touch it and you hear a little bit of the earliest recordings of Bob Dylan. And you hear like people talking about his childhood friends, talking about that. You go to the next one and they had this picture of Bob Dylan and Tiny Tim. And I said to uh, Jenkins, I said, you know this picture here? He says, yes, we're very happy to have that. I said, yeah, I, I, uh. I was one of the first ones to have that picture and it's blown up two stories in my house. He said, What? I said, The wall of my house, that two story picture of Bob Dylan, and then on the other wall is Tiny Tim looking in the window. He, he seemed skeptical, so I sent him a video of two stories. You've seen it in my house. Yeah. So you know. They also have um, Tangled Up in Blue, all the lyric changes. And what they really do, which I think is so important. They interviewed me about Dylan, which is really funny because I said to him, for 47 years, I've done nothing but interviews about Dylan. But it's very strange to sit down and do an interview about Dylan. (laughs) But the two things I noticed they really hit hard uh, at the museum is they tell the truth behind Bob Dylan's background without ever doing a gotcha. They don't do Bob says this, and this is the reality, right? They do um, uh, this is you see interviews of Bob talking to the press, and then later on you see those same incidents reported by other people. Okay, so the the folklore, which was not started by Bob, so I should say it's not stories uh, stories about Bob. Some of the mm-hmm. some of the misinformation starts with Bob, but most of it doesn't uh, about uh, Newport Folk Festival, right? The whole audience was booing. He was booed off stage. Pete Seeger tried to stop him from playing, tried to pull the plug. In some stories, Pete Seeger tried to take an ax and cut the electric power. Yeah. So when the electric instruments came out, the audience hated him and was booing. Good. That's a story that most people believe about the Newport yeah, Folk yeah, yeah. Festival. Yeah. You go to the Newport Folk Festival section, you touch the thing, they have the performance of Bob Dylan at the Newport Folk Festival. But most important, they have the end of it kept long of the audience reaction. Now, it is clearly 20% booze. Yeah. Boo! That's in there. And you know, being on stage, one person booing is heartbreaking and destroys everything. Yeah. So 20% of the audience booing is horrible. And you know, the band had really trouble taking it. as he went out night after night and got those boos. But 80% of the audience is loving it. And that's the part we forget in the story. For sure. Then they have a postcard from Pete Seeger saying, Bob, my friend. People are saying that I hated your performance at Newport Folk Festival, even saying I tried to pull the plug. No, I loved it. I thought you were really, really good. I was seen talking to Sound Man because I thought the balance wasn't good, and I thought they could, they could boost your voice a little bit. That's all. Wow. It's really nice. And wow. It goes, you know I love you and always will that it is not Pete Seeger. Good. Wow. It's really nice. Yeah. And of course the jacket that he wore, you know? Yeah. And you know, Jenkins had said to me, is there anything I can help you with? And I said, yes, I want that jacket and that postcard from Pete Seeger, please. <laughs> Just pack it up for me <laughs> on the way out. I'll grab it. That's one thing they try to do. They also had, you know, Bob Dylan was touring frantically and he had a motorcycle accident, right? Yeah. Now I was 14 when he had his No, maybe young, maybe 12, when he had his motorcycle accident. And, you know, there wasn't internet then. So word spread all over Bob Dylan had a motorcycle accident, he's not going to tour. And Bob Dylan does stop touring for five years after the motorcycle accident. Really, he falls off the scene. So we all thought, I mean, all the rumor people, that Bob had had a serious motorcycle accident. How do you describe motorcycle accident? Motorcycle accident. There you go. And Bob Dylan said in interviews, I had an accident on my motorcycle and uh, I mostly wanted to stop touring. I needed some time to be with my family and rest and recharge. He says that. They have way you know way up on the archives a video of the guy who was riding motorcycles with him the day he had an accident. Guy says he went across the train tracks, train came really close, Bob was kind of getting out of the way and startled, kind of laid down the bike. Motorcycle wasn't moving when Bob Dylan had his motorcycle accident. (laughs) Part of what a motorcycle accident is, right, is that the motorcycle is moving. Yeah. Bob had a heavy metal chair accident. (laughs) I mean, he did scrape up his leg and motorcycles are heavy. It was an Indian bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Indian brand. I'm not saying a Native American bike. It was an Indian brand bike laid it down I don't know have you ridden motorcycles uh, I haven't but I knew I know that
0: they can get super heavy yeah like if they fall over some I have when I
1: mean, you get those big ones they're unpleasant yeah. and you can fall off a bike when it's standing still there's no doubt about it yeah actually it's easier to fall off a bike when it's standing still because there's all sorts of physics shit that we don't understand yeah that means when it's going fast it's easier
0: to negotiate
1: it's easy, It's easier to just keep going straight yeah I think this is Newton maybe law number one and law number three yeah <laughs> Um, <laughs> e equals MC squared does not them into it nope. unless you have a nuclear reaction with your motorcycle. <laughs> or you have one of those ill-fated Kawasaki nuclear motorcycles. Right. Which did not take much fuel, but took an awful lot of cooling. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so they, they cover those things. Also, when Bob Dylan says he worked in a carnival and he ran away from home and he hopped trains and hitchhiked, I pointed out to Jenkins, no, no, that's my history because I believe Bob Dylan and I did it. (laughs) Bob went from Hibbing High School, where he was a very good student, very good student, that's often forgotten, to the University of Minnesota, where he did well. Then he went to New York, that time from... Minnesota to New York was the only rambling, trambling, boot heels stuff he did. Yeah. Minnesota to New York, which I do that distance five times a week. Got there, talked to Woody Guthrie, had a recording contract in two months. (laughs) Bob struggling did not last long. Right. Because, you know, when you walk into Greenwich Village with that kind of talent, and there are people that are looking for it, they find it, right? Yeah. Right away. Right away. So um, they cover that really well. The other thing they cover that may... Oh, by the way, little notebook. Bob Dylan has the smallest handwriting in the world, right? And he has these little Woolworths notebooks that are like a little bigger than a deck of playing cards. Yeah, You know those notebooks, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot of those. They have one in display case open to a page, okay? Now, it's not a page at random. They obviously chose... A really good one, but I don't see well, so I have to look at reproductions of these. Yeah, but Billy the mind was looking at the real one. He kind of looks and he squints and says, "Ben, look at this." And I go, oh, "Okay, oh, it's it's a notebook. It's Bob Dylan's handwriting." Yeah, and he goes, "No, no, look carefully. Read it. Lenny Bruce's home phone number and home address,
0: oh, so they shit. could ha- so they yeah. could hang
1: out. Then." On that very page, you say, the guy's trying to choose what page to use. Well, let's use the Lenny Bruce page. Also the Lenny Bruce page, you say you're looking for someone who's weak, never weak, crossed out, never weak, strong, always strong. He's writing, it ain't me, babe, on the same page that Lenny Bruce came up and said, let me give you your number. Give my number. Oh my gosh. I mean, what happened today, Bob? Oh, not much. Um, (laughs) Then they have um, 25 drafts of Joker Man. Because one of the things, and they also show Tangled Up in Blue, the notebooks from Blood on the Tracks. I talk about a lot, Mm -hmm. which we always say came full blown from the mind of Bob Dylan. No. Yeah. And I said, uh, when I did my interview, I said the two things I noticed was understanding the importance of story in framing our lives and understanding what's important, coupled with the fact that genius is a bullshit word, and he worked all the time. And Jenkins said, those are exactly what we're trying to do at this. Now, I was told by uh, Steve Jenkins, while you're there, um, George Saunders, you know, the great author, fabulous author, you know, like Pulitzer Prize, PEN Award author. He wrote like the, 10th of December or something. Short story book that I read that's really good. That's probably not the name of it. And he has a new book out. He was doing a book tour in Tulsa, same night as me. We did two competing book tours. Both sold out. Both. Just so you know. Yeah. Um. I was playing a smaller place. Anyway, that's not important. Much smaller. I'm going to meet George Saunders. I'm a little excited about meeting George Saunders. I tell my buddy, Handsome Jack, who tells Moon Zappa. Penn is meeting George Saunders. She goes, apeshit. Says to Handsome Jack, my favorite person in the world. The best writer, best everything. Moon Zappa is a crazy fan, right? So I say, I meet George Saunders and I say, I've read a couple of your books and I like them. But man, does Moon Zappa love your books. I said, but I love them, but you know, she's a hardcore fan. And then I say something I've like never said. People have said it to me, but I've never said it. And I just, I don't know, I was inspired or something. I said, um, George, you know, he said complimentary things to me. I said, George, would you make a video for Moon Zappa? Right? And George goes, sure. And Jenkins overhears me and says, uh, it just so happens we have an exhibit on the second floor of, um, what's his name? Schultzberg, who took the picture for the cover of Blonde on Blonde. But he also took the cover for the mothers we were only for the money. And he said, we have an original print of an outtake, from the Frank Zappa cover. We have a huge color photograph of Zappa and the mothers with Jimi Hendrix as part of another exhibit upstairs. Holy shit. And I go, let's go. Yeah. So George Saunders and I stand on either side. Of this wonderful photo of her dad, that it's possible Moon Zappa hasn't seen. I didn't ask her. Yeah, but Billy the Mime, who she's also a fan of, holding the video, holding up there. Hi, Moon. This is Ben, and this is George Saunders, and he's wearing a COVID mask, which he just pulls down to be George Saunders. This is hi, Moon. Hope we meet someday. Hope we can talk. We do this nice video for. I send it to her and, uh, I get a video back that says, uh, I have COVID. I'm sick. This is a terrible, terrible time. This is the most wonderful thing that could have happened. I made someone happy, a self-absorbed narcissist dickwad that I am. I made someone happy. How? By asking a favor of someone else. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the way I did it. Made
0: moon. No, Between your turmeric latte for Teller and now this, I mean, you're on a roll. You're I'm a on
1: a roll of maybe being almost human. Old altruistic pen. Yeah, that's what they call me. That's what they call me. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm going to stop. I have more stuff to say
0: about the Dylan Center. I bet, because I bet we're only, what, like hour two of how many hours? Oh, I haven't gotten through
1: the first half hour yet <laughs> of 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 over five. So I'm 10% of the way through my Dylan tour. And I still haven't said stuff about that that I want to say. But that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha cha cha. And to our listening ears, you become all naked. Oh. you would be so Sunday impressed. School. Matt Donnelly realized it's the end of the show and is preparing to do the thank yous. I haven't done it in so long. I know. You ready? I'm going to cue it to you. By the way, Dylan's book also came out. Got to talk about that. Yeah. That you know, we love you. Hey, you got anybody to thank there, Matt Donnelly? I
0: do. I want to, these are some of the people, some of uh, some of uh, almost 800 people supporting us over at patreon.com pen. They are, of course, loyal members of the congregation. They're Aaron Boyd, Mason Gooch, Vaughn DJ, Double Chicken Burkhoff, Funky Chicken, Sagebrush, Matthew Mykud, oh no, it's Macau, shoot, you gave me a pronunciation thing and I'm forgetting it. Luke Mellon, Eileen Hunter, Ken Krovchuk, Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Average Seal, Ben Price, Matt Williams, plus $110 boner office, Soapy Fresh, Dang Griffith, Brad Sherlag, Mike Cavanaugh, Rafiki, Steve Feldman, Jonathan P, NewRuleFX.com, Eric M. Rhyme, Chris to Hatchby Loop McKinney, and Gary Cornley. Thank you
1: so much. Thank you all. We love you. And remember those book signings that I'm doing, like I did in Tulsa. I'm doing more this week. This week, Tuesday, I'll be in Seattle at the town hall. Ah. Town Hall. Which uh, last time I was there, I'm just telling you, somebody had me sign their breasts. So right. that's that's the that's the it's level the bar. in Seattle. Wednesday, I'm in Portland at Powell's Beaverton location. That's where I'll be Wednesday, and next Saturday night, next Saturday night, right here in Las Vegas at Writer's Block downtown.
0: Oh, that's a great venue. It's a
1: great place. And if you want more information, it's on PNT Instagram and Facebook pages as well as my Twitter. Go check it out. Come see me. We had a guy, I don't want to get into the whole thing here. We had a guy, Joe, who was a uh, who was at one of the book signings, the one in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and he's a big uh, Sunday School guy, patron guy. We had a really nice talk. He was right there in the front row, asked good smart questions. I like them. So if you're someone I like, come to the book signings. Yeah. If you're not someone I like, stay home. Watch Netflix. Great. Make yourself some popcorn.
0: Oh, uh, shout out to Dan, who recognized me in the wild when I was at the Keeneland Racetrack in Kentucky. Uh, saw me and was like, Matt Donnelly, I'm a member of the congregation. Wow. Stopped me dead in my track. Very
1: well done. Yeah. Good. Now you can shut down the stream. Oh, oh.